This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Visit SmartGolfDeals.com for promotions and savings. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Oh, good morning, Canada. We got a busy one for you. Zacchino, Weeks, Scully will be around an hour or two. It's a glorious day again in southern Ontario. If you're on your way to the golf course this morning, listen to us on TSN 1050. Hope you have a great day out there. What a perfect spring and summer we've had for golf. And uh, it continues, although there might be a little rough weather this week on the PGA Tour. They've adjusted some tee times out in Minnesota for the 3M Open. So hopefully that system moves through quickly this morning and Saturday goes on without a hitch. It's a logjam leaderboard, defending champion out at the 3M in contention. Tony Finau with a chance to redeem himself after last week. There's just a ton of golf to get to today. Tons of storylines and we're going to have a jam-packed show today for you. Before we get to it though, let's bring in co-host Mr. Bob Weeks. Weeksy, how are you this morning? Doing very well, Mark. How about you? What's going on? Beautiful now, now, day. Did I see you up north? Are you up north? I am. I'm uh, up in Muskoka at, uh, visiting some friends up here. I'm going to tee it up tomorrow at uh, Ovenbird. Very special treat. Oh, lovely. Well, you should enjoy that. And a great weekend to be up north. The weather, again, absolutely spectacular. And we've got a jam-packed show today. we got tens, tons to get to, so we better hit it here. we got Ralph Bauer joining us, Aaron Crawford, who Monday qualified for 3M Open, uh, joining us in Hour 1. In Hour 2, we have Jason Logan, editor of Score Magazine, to talk uh, Top 100 list that uh, came out last week. Uh, Adam Scully, Stardom, Sidham, Winners, Weird and What. I mean, this show is just going to fly by, and it kicks off with a ton of uh, news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada tomorrow's stars today bob tons to get to today kicking off let's look at last week last week we've been calling them a future world number one for a couple of years now and it's official official world golf ranking as of monday morning john rom rombo with the win at the memorial moves to number one in the world um i think we all kind of saw him here but it's Maybe entering a, a hot potato era with number one is is would you agree or do you think Rombo's going to take it and run with it? I think it's going to be hot potato with it. Uh, John Rom, Rory McIlroy, and maybe a Justin Thomas, uh, and I might be missing a couple. I, I think you're right. I think there's a, been a lot of um, kind of strange stuff going on at the top there with some of the players. Not playing all that well. I mean, Rory hasn't played all that well. Uh, Dustin Johnson obviously hasn't played all that well. Justin Thomas has played well, but missed a cut as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of rotation up there on this top spot. But uh, good for John Rahm for getting it, and uh, and he deserves it. He's uh, he's played pretty well. You know, the when he when he in the off season or in the off time, he he worked out a lot and gained so much strength, sort of like a mini Bryson DeChambeau, that he couldn't get the the right to distances on his uh, on his irons and once he got that dialed in however uh, he kind of played a lot better and as we saw on a very tough golf course last week so he's deserving of it but I'm not sure how long he'll he'll stay up there 
Yeah, it's his 10th win in the last three and a half years that he has been able to put together worldwide. And there was some people uh, taking some shots at the official World Golf Ranking, and I have taken some shots at it in the past, and it's not a perfect system. But I think most of the people taking shots at this just don't respect the wins overseas, Bob. You know, he's a two-time Irish Open winner. Um, uh, won uh, DP World Challenge. He's won on tough golf courses. He's won at Torrey Pines. Uh, he's a global player, and it's a global system, and he's world number one, and it's going to be fun to watch this uh, shake out because we got some big events coming up, actually starting next week at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Now, speaking of the FedEx St. Jude Classic, which is now a World Golf Championship event, Tiger taking a pass on Memphis, Bob, you know, it's weird because <laughs> here we go. You're going to laugh at what I'm going to say because for months you and I have been saying, okay, Tiger's going to play Memorial and then he's going to play PGA Championship. You're not going to see him in uh, in Memphis. <laughs> We've been consistent, both of us. But when Tiger played uh, you know, really horrible last week, he said, you're going to see me soon, was his comments when he left. And part of me kind of thought, ooh, maybe that means he's going to play FedEx. Not the case. Skip in Memphis. There's a part of me now, all of a sudden, that's surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a never-ending game with Tiger, right? We never really know when he's going to play. We never really know when he's not going to play. But I think you're right. I think I th- I think you know if you look down the road a little bit, you see what's coming. And if you're Tiger with that back, you understand. Okay, this I've only got so many swings, so there's a bunch of big tournaments coming up. I'm going to play those. I know the the World Golf Championship is a big event for him, for everybody, but it's probably not as big as the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the FedEx Cup. So, as you said, I'm, am I surprised? Yes and no. It's uh, yes, I'm surprised because he's not playing, but no, I'm not surprised because this is Tiger Woods. Yeah, that's a good way of pointing it to. And, and what's coming up, I think, is really what's on the radar for Tiger and uh and we will see. We will have to wait a couple of weeks till we get to the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco for the year's first major. Okay, a couple of high-profile WDs this week, Bob. And it's a different type of WDs, really, in high-profile. Tony Romo was set to make his Corn Ferry Tour debut. He did. He played four holes. He withdrew with a wrist injury. So Tony Romo, a little upset. He was kind of hoping to uh, give... Uh, the Price Cutter Charity Championship, a little bit of a, a push with his presence on the Corn Ferry Tour. But for me, the bigger story this week when it comes to a WD, Dustin Johnson, after a horrific performance last week at the Memorial, follows it up with an opening round of 78 at the uh, 3M Open in Minnesota and then withdraws with a back injury. I'm shocked at the back injury, and I'm I'm continuing to shock with his play. You know, he won at the Travelers, Bob, and we thought, okay, DJ's ready to turn the corner and put everything behind him. But, you know, is the Travelers an anomaly? Is is it an outlier? Is it a like a one-off? And and he's going to continue to struggle because, man, he just doesn't look. I know now the back injury, okay, but he doesn't look anywhere near close to finding form. It's always one of those situations where you look. At a guy who shoots a bad number and then withdraws from a bad back, and you wonder which came first, right? The bad back did the bad back cause the big number, or did the big number cause the bad back? And with DJ, like you said, he wins, and all of a sudden we think, okay, he's back. 
and then 80, 80, 78. And to me, that does say that there must be something physically wrong because a guy doesn't go from winning a tournament to shooting those kinds of numbers, at least not in my book. Uh, so I think he's probably got a little tweak, and uh, hopefully it's nothing too serious and he fights through it and uh, gets gets some treatment at home and, and comes back ready to, to play at the next event. And the plan is to peg it up Thursday at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. So he is in the field getting ready to go in Memphis. Should be hot. That should help. But it's pretty much hot everywhere right now, so which should help anything back-related, you would think. So we won't have to wait long to find out if DJ is going to uh, get things back on track. Okay, LPGA now, Bob. Uh, I don't want to say coming to their senses, but uh, and you called this. You said that uh, sooner or later they, we would get an announcement that we were going to go fanless, and now we are fanless. No spectators for the first five events now on the LPGA uh, restart when they get going again. Yeah, and I think you know they've still got some down the line that are thinking about it, but uh, there's there's just no way you can do this right now. I mean, uh, the United States is burning up a little bit with with COVID new COVID cases in certain parts. There are some states that are doing some great stuff, but there's a lot of places where I don't know why you would risk it, why you would uh, go with it. The trouble with the LPGA Tour is the gate is very important to their bottom line. It's not quite like the PGA Tour where they can survive. Uh, without it and with television revenue and things like that so so it's it's a bit of a hit for the lpga tour but it's a smart decision and really it's the only decision i think that they could have made yeah i'm with you on this one it's the only way they could have gone i think again they were pie in the sky thinking just kind of waiting to the 11th hour to maybe make a call on some of this stuff it'll be a wait and see approach i guess after the five on the flip side of this coin and this is something, Bob, that I didn't think we'd see until we got to Augusta. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, that maybe when we get to Augusta, we will see some members, some special guests, things like that in the gallery in November at the Masters. But starting next week on the PGA Tour, we're going to start seeing some special guests allowed onto the property. We're looking at a maximum of 50 additional bodies. That is 5-0. And we're talking about potential uh, sponsors' invites from FedEx, wives, girlfriends, etc. allowed in the tournament at uh, in Memphis. Well, they've done a good job, you know, so far keeping the the virus uh, out of <laughs> out of the transmission area. So I think you can safely start to you know make some. Uh, uh, ex- expansion of your of your bubble, and uh, as long as these people follow the rules, get tested, which they're going to be, then I think why not let some of these people on? And if you're a sponsor, for instance, and you're putting up five or six million dollars, you might want to have a chance to go and see some of these golf golf action a little bit live rather than watching it on television on your couch. So uh, it's a good move. It's a it's, as long as they keep with it and it's safe and uh, nothing happens uh, to to kind of add detriment to to the situation then i think that's uh it's pretty solid on uh, on the pj tour's behalf and then finally bob in a busy news and headlines michelle Wee west named assistant captain solheim cup 2021 next year so michelle Wee looks like uh, a transition now maybe uh into what uh, is going to be the other side of her playing career yeah, uh, she's a new mom, and um, obviously the the Zolheim Cup is is trying to do the same kind of thing that uh, that I think the Ryder Cup has done very well in terms of both European and U.S. teams, where you build a, a group of of sub captains, captains assistants who eventually will be groomed to become the uh, take over as captains, and they have this group, and so I think Michelle West 
uh, still strange to call her that, Michelle Wee West, <laughs> will uh, will will assume that role. She's a very popular woman with uh, with a lot of the other players on the LPGA Tour, the American players especially, obviously. And uh, you know, I don't think she ever really lived up to the hype of her career, but uh, but I think she's a good person to kind of be a leader eventually down the road and she'll get her first taste of doing it uh, this time around. You know, Bob, I always felt bad for Michelle. We, and, and, and what I mean by that is I do, she's very popular and she's very uh, high energy, good energy person to be around. But I think if Tiger Woods is the example and Rory McIlroy, the example of, you know, what to do with a phenom talent and how to mold that talent to get it to, you know, to mature to what we saw with Woods and a McElroy for just two examples. Michelle Wee's the complete opposite of what not to do. And I always felt bad because I always felt like there was uh, the wrong people making bad decisions for Michelle Wee at an early age, you know, forcing her to play with the men, forcing her to, into LPGA tour events at a super young age. Yeah, Tiger always dominated every level. You know, th- uh, three U.S. juniors, three U.S. amateurs. By the time Tiger, a great uh, year or two at Stanford, uh, by the time Tiger got to the PGA Tour, he was so used to dominating at every level. When he got to the PGA Tour, it was just another level to dominate. By the time they were done with Michelle Wee, by the time they had her to 15 years old, she was already uh, trying to figure out, oh, if I just make it to Saturday, it's a big win because they just never put her in a position to mature and see that talent, you know, reach the level it was supposed to. I just, uh, I wish we could go back and, and find somebody else to make those decisions for. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of speculation that her parents uh, they weren't domineering, but they were more enabling. So Michelle, we didn't do a lot of stuff on her own. She had it all handed to her, done for her. And one of her first coming out parties actually kind of was the Solheim Cup because the parents couldn't be there, you know, in the team room and uh, do those kind of things. And that's kind of where Michelle began to blossom. That's what I've heard from a number of different people. Um, so I think that there's a lot of uh, missteps that took place along Michelle Wee's career. Uh, she could have been a much, much better player, I think, than she was. Not that she wasn't a good player by any means, but it would have been nice to to see what she could have done under other circumstances if she'd gone down a different road. All right, crazy show. we got to get moving here. Jason Logan going to be by an hour or two. That's the editor of Score Magazine, the top 100s out. I, you know I love my list. I've always been a big fan of any list. So it's always fun to debate, take a look, and, uh, and, and just, you know, jump into who's top 10, who should have been in, who should be higher, who should be lower. That's always fun. Ralph Bauer gonna join in. He was with Adam Scully on the Scully podcast this week. So we're gonna hear from Adam and Ralph. Of course, Ralph Bauer, uh, PGA Tour coach to many, uh, great players, including, uh, Canada's own Adam Hadwin. But coming up on the other side, one of the coolest stories of the week, Aaron Crawford, Monday qualified for the 3M Open. He had the opportunity to sit down with Weeksy and go one-on-one. We're going to hear that interview next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the drivers so you can reshape your game. 
Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to order yours today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Speaking of Sim and Sim Max, we're giving away a Sim Max Fairway Wood at the bottom of hour one today, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. you got to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada for your chance to win. We're going to give that away today as 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer. All right, Bob, one of the cool stories today, uh, excuse me, this week, Aaron Crawford, uh, who usually loops for Martin Trainer on the PGA Tour, Monday qualified this week for the 3M Open. And not only had to Monday qualify, he actually had to get through a pre-qualifier first. So he get two qualifying uh, steps and then uh, and then got to tee it up. And uh, he didn't quite make the cut, but uh, it was a pretty cool story. It was uh, one of those kind of uh, rags to riches kind of deal. One of my favorite uh, little uh, tidbits of this story is after Aaron qualified and told Martin that he, you know, obviously was going to have to find another bag man this week at the 3M Open, DraftKings came out with their odds this week for uh, getting it done in Minnesota. And Aaron Crawford was 750 to 1, Bob. Martin Trainer, 11, uh, sorry, 1,125 to 1. So he had better odds <laughs> than the guy he usually loops for. <laughs> I love that. That's great. He told me. Uh, he told me earlier in the week. He said the only thing he wanted to really do was make sure he beat Martin. <laughs> oh, mission accomplished. He got him. They both missed the go. cut. They both played thirty six and done. But he took out Martin, and I'm sure they'll be ribbing each other uh, back and forth on this one. All right, Bob had the opportunity to speak with Arian earlier this week. And joining us now from Minnesota is uh, Aaron Crawford. And Aaron, two rounds in the books. It doesn't look like you're going to make the cut, but. My goodness, what a story! Uh, how do you how do you sum up your your journey so far to your first PGA Tour event? Uh, yeah, you know what, it was really cool. Um, obviously, yes, I would have loved to have made the cut this week, but uh, apparently, you got to make birdies, and I I didn't have any today. So uh, that's golf. That's that's how it goes. It's uh, not meant to be easy. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, I, I didn't even really expect to be playing this week. So uh, to, to have that experience and to uh, get a good first round out there, um, it, it was really fun to see. And uh, happy I can I can handle myself in in pressure situations like that. What walk us back to the to the start of this? Because you, I didn't realize that you had to go through a pre qualifier, then a qualifier to get into this tournament. So. How difficult was it to get from from through those two levels, I guess, into the to the event to start with? Right. Well, I I mean, I guess something that um, that I want people knowing for some reason is uh, like I was caddying for for four or eight weeks, and then uh, I had had that week off, so I had maybe four days to get my game in shape for the pre qualifier, um, and. I mean, I think that was the hardest part for me is like just just try, trying to figure out where my swing was and and uh, and get things going the right way. Um, and my, I, I shot sixty seven four under without any bogeys in the uh, in the pre. Um, it felt like I you know was kind of finding my swing again and figuring out where things are going and um, and definitely felt like I still left some things, some some strokes out there. Um, so shooting eight under in the Monday. Um, it felt quite a bit easier, and, um, and I was just fortunate, fortunate enough to, you know, to have things go my way Monday. So, so you go from being a caddy to needing a caddy. <laughs> it looked like you got right, a family exactly, member there. Exactly. How does how does that turn out? 
Uh, you know what? Not so bad. I had to figure out the whole border thing, but I ended up getting my uh, my dad down here to caddy for me, and uh, he's invested a lot into my game, and uh, he's been very supportive of me. So it was uh, it was a really fun week for both of us. Um, I think it was, it was really special to to have him out there with me. What did you learn about about the PGA Tour as a player that you didn't know already as a caddy? You know what? I mean, I mean, when when you caddy. You don't really care as much, I guess, when it comes down to it. Um, and when you're a player, there's just there's so many more emotions. Um, so you you got to really figure out how to how to deal with those and how to move on from them. And uh, and that that's just that's kind of golf, right? And at the highest level, I think that's that's where. Uh, the most pressure is as well. So you have to, you know, figure out how to deal with all that stuff. And I mean, you can caddy all you want, but you can't really figure out how to how to deal with those situations unless you're in them yourself. So I think that's the biggest difference. Uh, is it back to being a caddy next week, or you figure out what's going on yet? Uh, no, I'm going back to Canada uh, to quarantine for two weeks before the start of. The Canada Life series that Mackenzie Tour is putting on. So your your uh, your caddy duties are uh, have come to an end for now, anyway. For now, yes. yes. <laughs> That's good. Was there any any moment on uh, on the experience as a player? Maybe it was on the range or in the uh, in the clubhouse or anything where you kind of thought thought, okay, this is where I want to be. Um. Well, you know what? Honestly, I, I think that happened. Uh, Way before that, I think it happened in Hilton Head when I caddied for Martin earlier this year. Um, I mean, just look around and you see, you know, kind of the life and the life that these guys live, and it's like, oh my god, like this is this is a lot of fun. Like, I know the travel can be difficult and you're away from your family all the time, but uh, it's much better being away from your family playing for millions instead of uh, instead of hundreds and thousands on Canadian tours. So. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a special place to be for sure. Little incentive perhaps to uh, to put the nose to the grindstone for the next while to get get out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Aaron, congratulations on uh, on a wonderful performance and a wonderful weekend. Uh, it sounds like we might see you uh, playing some more good golf here in the next little while. Hope good luck on the Canada Life Series, and uh, hopefully we'll see you back on the PGA Tour very soon. Yeah, Bob, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. There's Bob with Aaron Crawford, who qualified this week for the 3M. And you heard him there off to the Canada Life Series. And we spoke about the Canada Life Series last week. Four events out at Bear Mountain in BC, and then four events in Ontario at uh, TPC Osprey Valley, Toronto. And uh, Bob, not the best week for Canadians. This is the first week in a very long time that we do not have a Canadian in real contention. Now, Michael Glicka, congratulations to Michael. Uh, he makes the cut two under par after rounds of uh, 72 and 68. So Michael playing the weekend at the 3M. But uh, Aaron, Roger Sloan, David Hearn not making the cut. Uh, three Canadian flags headed home. The, I can't remember, Bob, the last time we haven't had a Canuck with a chance to get a W on a weekend. It certainly hasn't happened in the... Uh... And in the restart era, and uh, it was going on beforehand when you think uh, the Honda Classic was the last full tournament they played, and of course Mackenzie Hughes was second there. So, yeah, you have to go back a ways, and maybe Michael will turn on the Jets here and keep the streak alive on the weekend. Yeah, well, hopefully you're right. You never know. I said he doesn't have a chance to win, but you go out and shoot 62. And don't forget, last year at this golf tournament, there was a 62 
Every single round of the 3M, 3M Open, we have yet to have one this week. Maybe Michael does something special on a Saturday. On the other side, Adam Skelly, our master producer and one of our co-hosts here, Adam Skelly, he's got his new podcast, Skelly Scoop. He had a chance to speak with Ralph Bauer, PGA Tour coach, Adam Hadwin's coach. We're going to hear from Ralph on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the driver so you can reshape your game. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to order yours today. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back to GTC as a jam-packed Golf Talk Canada continues on a lovely Saturday morning. Hope you're on your way to your golf course. Going to go peg it up today and enjoy some of this beautiful weather. Well, Ralph Bauer, one of uh, the PGA Tour's uh, top coaches, coaches several players, including Adam Hadwin and uh, friend of Golf Talk Canada's. I got a chance to talk to Ralph back in Detroit a couple of weeks ago as I was walking on the practice round with him and Adam Hadwin. And, Ralph was talking about the challenges of quarantining and, and when he first got to America and then having to try to get back home. So it's been tough on a lot of Canadians moving back and forth. Aaron Crawford just spoke with Bob Weeks talking about now he's got to come home, get ready for Canada Life Series. Well, Adam Scully, our master producer here on GTC, has got the Scully Scoop podcast, which you can get uh, where podcasts are available. Follow Adam on uh, Instagram and social media as well. He always posts the uh, Scully Scoop podcast. And this week he had the opportunity to speak with Ralph Bauer about numerous things about life on the PGA Tour. Let's hear Adam and Ralph Bauer. And we're pleased to be joined by PGA Tour swing coach Ralph Bauer. His clients include Canadian Adam Hadwin, Jonathan Vegas, Kyle Stanley, JJ Spawn, Brandon Harkins, fellow Canadian Adam Svensson. Ralph, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Adam, thanks for having me on, buddy. It's, uh, it's good to see you, my friend. You've just spent uh, 15 nights on the road, 5-0. First quarantine for 14 days, then on the road, on the PGA Tour, coaching guys. And now you're in quarantine again back home in Canada. What's this whole experience been like for you? Yeah, it's been fun, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky. I'm a bit of a loner, so it uh, works out well for me. But, uh, no, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting for sure. You know, this is my third quarantine now, so... You know, kind of, kind of getting the hang of it. Time, time flies when you're trapped in your house, I guess. But that's uh, no, all good. Just lucky to, you know, I, I, I had a good time out there. Like, you know, I got to spend 50 days with the guys, which was fun. And, uh, you know, got to see up close, you know, just got to see a little bit more golf than normal, but it's great. So you're on the road for the first few PGA Tour events, working with many players, including, as I said, mentioned uh, Canadian Adam Hadwin. Take us through a day in the life for you during, let's say, a Tuesday during this PGA Tour restart. So Tuesdays are pretty busy days for me, right? Um, guys tend to get all their practicing, all their technical work out of the way before, you know, by, by the time Tuesday's over with and have a game plan for the rest of the week. So Tuesdays are a busy day for me. Uh, you know, uh, be nice to squeeze in a run in the dark, 
you know, get the golf course kind of first light, you know, the, the guys will kind of text me, you know, what, what their plans are for the day. So I have time the night before to hopefully plan things out. And, um, you know, just, just, you know, Monday is kind of a day to get the game plan going Tuesdays, you know, you finalize it, you know, uh, you know, I like to watch them play. I like to watch them, you know, practice, right. If there's certain holes we're, we're concerned with, go out and watch them on those holes. Right. Um, you know, if, if there's any technology that, that we need to use that week, Tuesday to the day, we kind of would, would pull that out mm-hmm. and then put it away and make sure that, you know, like I said, you want, you want a Tuesday night as a coach, I want to make sure that we've got a game plan, you know, dialed in for the week for the, for the golf course, for sure. So it's a big day. And, um, you know, the guys tend to get a lot of practicing on Tuesday since the restart, there's no pro-ams on Wednesday. So they can kind of treat it like a major where they can kind of play nine holes every day, um, you know, and, and kind of go about on their own timetable instead of being forced into something by the pro-am on the Wednesday. Now, I mentioned you, you coach a number of guys on the PGA Tour, including Canadian Adam Hadwin. How did you guys initially meet? Um, that's a good question. So I, I've been coaching full-time the PGA Tour for 12 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, all the Canadians tend to know each other and hang out. Um, I started working with David Hearn in 2009. Right. And, you know, they would all play, all the Canadians play practice rounds together. And... Before that, I started working with Nick. Before Adam, I started working with Nick, Nick Taylor. So I'd worked with Nick for about a year. Nick, Nick and Adam are, are pretty tight, grew up together, yep. pretty tight. Nick and that year that I worked with him got a little bit better, right? I guess Adam noticed that. You know, we were, I was with them for practice rounds anyways, you know, so it just, just kind of gradually uh, worked out that, you know, he started asking me for advice, I started giving advice, and then you know, kind of more formal, formal coaching role about five years ago. There you go. So what would you say are some of the major strengths of Hadwin's game? So, I mean, Adam's above average and everything, which is mm-hmm. a nice place to, to be in. Yeah. Right. Um, he's just, he's just really good. I mean, he's got a beautiful golf swing, right? He works it both ways. I, I would say the difference between, between somebody like himself and somebody who's, you know, maybe not quite at that level would be that Adam's got, you know, control of his ball almost every day where he's got, you know, he, he's got a fade, he's got a draw and he's got a flighted shot mm. almost every day. So it's just makes it a lot easier to go through a round of golf if you can hit all the shots and not just have one shot that you're hoping will work out that day. Right. So I, I would say his biggest strength would be his, He's got a bunch of them, but great imagination. And he's, he's certainly got, you know, almost every, nobody's perfect, but I mean, he's, he's got control of his golf ball almost every day. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of, a lot of the shots. And one thing I've noticed in his pre-shot routine is that sort of rehearsal waggle. Just how important is that for maybe a guy like Hadwin or other players trying to incorporate some sort of feeling to get that feeling of where you want the club to be in a rehearsal moments before you hit the ball. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think, you know, it seems like all the Canadians do that. And it's all, you know, you know, they grew up watching Weirdly too, yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy to, to see why they're doing that. But I think it's important. I, I think it, you use a good word there. You use a, the word rehearsal rather than, you know, I, I like to use that instead of practice swing. Like, um, you know, I feel if, if, if we looked at things as a rehearsal, we're more likely to do it and we're more likely to do a good job with it as opposed to, 
um, you know, just kind of going through the motions with that. Adam will t tend to use that, that rehearsal as a bit of his technical work where, he, you know, he'll find that if he does a great job with his rehearsal, it'll, it'll creep its way into a swing and, you know, he'll be in a good, good spot that way. So, I, I mean, I think it's a good idea for anybody. And we're great for Weirzy. I mean, you know, he, he still does it. Yeah, one of the masters, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That, that's for sure. Now, uh, you know, Hadwin is one of four Canadians in the top 100 in the world right now. Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, Nick Taylor, the other three. Why do you think we're seeing so much success right now by Canadians on the world stage? Well, I mean, short answer is all four of those guys are really good, right? <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, I, I think it's a long time coming. I mean, the, you know, the developmental, pro we've got, you know, maybe the best developmental program in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in, in Canada, which is great, you know, which doesn't make it foolproof that we're getting four players up there, but it, but it, it helps, um, you know, teens love golf. Yeah. Right. Um, all four of those players, you know, played other sports growing up and, you know, are pretty good athletes and, you know, got to play golf in the summertime, had, you know, golf courses that supported them, coaches that supported them, you know, provincial associations that supported them. You know, they all went to school in the States. They all got, you know, had, had, they all had good coaches in, in, you know, in, in the collegiate system, just kind of a accumulation of things. But, you know, I, I think Canada's definitely on the right track for sure with, with the development program and, you know, just hopefully we keep it going. Yeah, we're on a great track right now. Canadian golf is in a, a very good spot. So you've spent 12 years now as a coach uh, on the PGA Tour. How much have you changed or evolved your coaching in the 12 years you've been on the circuit? Yeah, so I'm lucky. I, I, I haven't had to undergo through like a major metamorphosis or anything like that. You know, I've, I've always kind of thought that, you know, fundamentals were important. Good practice habits were important. You know, good athletic behaviors were important. And, and I mean, I've learned, I, I feel like I, something like I, I come back and I just can't believe how much I learned that day. Right. But, you know, so it's a constant, I'm lucky I get to learn the more players you work with. It seems like the more you learn from them. Right. So it's just kind of learning these little things that you can kind of put in the data bank and, you know, you might not need them for a few years. You might never need them, but you know, it's just nice to have them. And there's just so many, experiences like i've been lucky i've i've coached all the majors you know the world cup uh, president's cup you, you know and, and there's just a lot of things that come up that you know seems like you might never need but hopefully you remember at the right time when you do need it <laughs> ralph you've been uh, you're on day nine right now of quarantine uh pj tour schedule is pretty busy here coming up when do you see yourself back on the grounds on the tour yeah well i'm definitely coming back for the playoffs you know looking forward to that for sure uh you know, just it's hard of travel and I mean, you can't get health insurance for COVID yeah. in, in the States. I, I can't see myself getting on a plane to, to go to no. the PGA, unfortunately. Um, you know, this last trip I, I took, I drove the whole thing. So that was kind of cool. Hmm. You know, I think I went to like, I was in 30 States, right? At, at one, you know, some of them multiple times, but you know, it was, it was a bit of a hike. You know, the playoffs trying to line up the I don't know. I probably win them week week before and then go to the playoffs, maybe come back for two weeks quarantine and come back for the U S open, uh, drive down for that. After that, 
I don't even know if they, they have it scheduled, to, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's not like it's written in stone. So it's all good. Oh, well, it, it's, it's been quite a, a, quite a journey for you here. Uh, before we let you go, I have to ask you about these online lessons that you've been giving. I was looking on your, your Twitter page. How can someone listening or watching get more information and, and get an online lesson from you? Yeah, thanks. So I started doing that. It's been actually a lot of fun. And, you know, it's been a learning curve, but I got a cool little process going with that now. You know, I've got some, even some corn fairy players that, that signed up for it. And, and, you know, and I've got people that just want to get better at golf, which, which has been fun, right? So the whole thing's been neat. I guess the easiest way I've gone on, like, Instagram and, and Twitter, and someone wants to send me a DM, I could send them some information on it. But it's been a lot of fun. I like it. And like I said, it took a, it's a bit of a learning curve get, getting the formula down right with, with how to you know, help, help people. But uh, you know, I feel like it's, it's going pretty well for sure. Uh, good for you. I, I've taken lessons for the first time in about seven years this year. And my game's gone from a six to a, I'm a two now. So uh, you, you might have to have your DMs open. You might see a message from me here <laughs> shortly. Uh, Ralph, really appreciate your time today. All the best you're going forward and uh, looking forward to seeing you back on tour in a couple weeks. Adam, thank you very much, Wayne. Adam Scully with Ralph Bauer from Scully Scoop earlier this week. Always good to hear with Ralph. And wow, it is a different world traveling, let me tell you. Trust me, I was in Detroit, spoke with Ralph, and it is uh, it is weird moving around. And, uh, and it's going to stay that way, I would assume, for a little while. On the other side, Bob and I, we're going to give away a TaylorMade SimMax Fairway medal. We're also going to get caught up on, where's Brooke Henderson? She's starting her LPGA Tour return a little later than anticipated. We'll get you caught up on that on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Oh, it's a busy show today. Hour two going to be even busier. Stardom, Sidham, Winners Weird and What, Jason Logan from Score Golf at the Top 100. We've got some leaderboards to get you caught up to on as well in hour two. There's golf going on, Corn Ferry, PGA Tour, European Tour. Let's give away a Sim Max Fairway medal, though, first. 20 Weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the year right here on Golf Talk Canada. The grand prize, of course, will be a full set of TaylorMade golf clubs through the bag, custom fitting, get treated like a pro for the day, and that is going to be given away in September on the Saturday of the U.S. Open. And we've got, so we still got several, several weeks to go. This week, it is a Sim Max Fairway medal. And the winner, because he followed us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada, Jamie Rowe from Toronto. Jamie Rowe from Toronto wins the Sim Max Fairway medal. Congratulations, Jamie. Bob, you know, Adam and I, we played nine holes at the Toronto Hunt earlier this week. Uh, uh, mutual. Well, fr- Adam has a friend that moved down into my neck of the woods and introduced him to me because uh, he was interested in joining the Toronto Hunt. And so I sponsored him to join the hunt. So the three of us went out 
and, and kind of played golf, and uh, we had a, a nice little nine holes. No one was uh, very uh, particularly played very well in the threesome. We were all sloppy. I would uh, describe our play as sloppy at best. However, um, our Adam Scully is hitting the golf ball. I don't even want. I don't even know how to describe the distance at this point. It's getting stupid. He's He's tour long, and I mean not tour long like Webb Simpson tour long, who is like sneaky long, or you know, he's not an average tour distance. He's hitting it like DJ long. It, it's dumb. He, maybe not quite Bryson long, but he's flying the golf ball. Uh, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, seventh hole of Toronto Hunt. It's a 300-yard par four. Uh, both uh, Patrick and myself, the other uh, gentleman we were playing with, uh, hit our tee balls. Probably flew our golf ball around 280, chased it down the hill, hole high, net yardage about 300 yards. Adam Skelly hit his tee ball on the seventh hole onto the eighth tee deck, which is 350 yards away on a straight line. I, I'm not, and I am not exaggerating. Do you mean he hit it past the green? 50 yards past the green. Okay, that's great and long, but it's not a very good shot, is it? Well, like I said, none of us were very good. <laughs> none of us I were very you. good. I am not suggesting that any of us played very well. <laughs> well, that's uh, it's it's pretty impressive to see him swing at the ball, and uh, I'll tell you, he's had a great season so far, and it sounds like it's just going to continue to get better. He's working hard at it, so good for him. Oh, but Adam just said it was a good bogey. He just texted me. It was a really good bogey, Bob. Yeah, none of us were very good at all. So, uh, man, anyway. Oh, wait, you know what? We didn't talk any Brooke today so far. And Henderson uh, starting her, uh, I guess, her new campaign, the reboot, the restart of the LPGA Tour a little later. She's going to make her debut at the uh, Ladies' British Open. And you know what I say on an annual basis, Bob. Let's just get it out of the way right now. Every year, I pick her to win the Ladies, the Women's British Open. Why not? I'm going with her this year. She's going to win it. Well, it's an, it's an unusual restart because she's going to skip the first three events, and we know how much Brooke likes to play sort of every tournament. Uh, I spoke to her yesterday, and there's a very good chance she may only play five times the rest of this year four majors, and the CME Globe, which is the Women's Tour Championship. And I, I'm sort of shocked by that, but she's really taking a very cautious approach in returning to, uh, to the, the tournament uh, scene. She doesn't want to risk anything. I think she's a little nervous, perhaps, about um, playing in the era of the coronavirus. Now, the first five events on the LPGA Tour will be played without any fans. But after that, they're still, at this point, planning to have people in the gallery. So uh, that... This speaks to some of the uh, the caution that she may be uh, wanting to take. It's uh, it's unusual for Brooke, but it's uh, she's going to focus on those majors. Who knows? She might win two or three of them just just by playing those tournaments. So it's going to be a very interesting start. The other part about the LPGA return is uh, the first couple of events. The first event is next week, and there's hardly uh, any of the top ranked players because a lot of them are still. Um, in their home countries, many in South Korea and Japan and other places where they're not going to make the, the trip over to play on the LPGA Tour. So it's going to be a very interesting look when they do get going. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting when they start. Heavy American field, like you suggested, to start. Going to be interesting to see what Brooke does with a limited schedule. She's used to playing so much 
Uh, does this help her? Does this hurt her? If she plays well, maybe she takes a different look at what 2021 and beyond looks like. If she performs well in limited starts and, and keying some events, she might come to the quick conclusion that I'm playing too much golf and need to uh, maybe scale back my schedule in general. going to be interesting to see. There's no right or wrong answers here. It's a lot of this is personal preference. What what someone feels comfortable with in a COVID world versus somebody else is their is you know is their own preference. I, you know, if, if she doesn't feel comfortable out there traveling, then she shouldn't be doing it. And then to the other side of that coin, if someone feels comfortable out there and playing every week, then good on them. Let them do that too. So uh, we'll keep our eye on uh, Brooke, and hopefully uh, she has a nice debut at the Women's Open Championship next week, Bob. We're on TV. We're back to television. Golf Talk Canada Radio kicks off our TV season. Now, normally, we'll be live 8 to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning, simulcasting radio on TSN2. So our radio time does not change. We will be 8 to 10 a.m. and normally simulcasting on TSN2. Next week, however, it's going to be a time delay because of all the live sports coming back and because of the FedEx St. Jude Classic, the World Golf Championship event. We're going to lead into that on TSN5. So if you miss Golf Talk Canada Radio next week and you want to watch it, you can watch it on TSN5, 12 to 2 p.m. That's 12 Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern as a lead-in to the World Golf Championship FedEx St. Jude Classic. And that will kick off our TV season because next week as well, on our usual weekday uh, Golf Talk Canada TV show starting that following Wednesday, the first Wednesday in August, we return with a 60-minute PGA Championship preview special. All right, we've got a busy hour, too. We're going to kick it off with the Score Golf Top 100. Editor Jason Logan joining us next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, Hour 2 in a busy, busy show. Hour 2, we've got Stardom Sidem coming up for those uh, gamblers and fantasy players, as, we, as well as Winners Weird and What. We'll take a closer look at the leaderboard at the 3M Open. Switching some gears now, however, though, the Score Golf Top 100 came out in the last week or so, and I love my list. Bob, you know I love my list. I, I just love the conversation they create, the back and forth, and this is one of the best ones. I know you've got uh, a real affiliation and soft spot for the Score Golf Top 100. I always wait for it to come out and can't wait to check it out. And Now the man behind this list is the editor of ScoreGolf.com uh, and ScoreGolf Magazine. Joining us now, Jason Logan. Jason, thanks for taking the time with Bob and I this morning. Thanks, boys. Thanks for uh, having me on for my debut on your program here. I'm very excited. Well, Jason, this is, I love the list, man. You know, like I, I wait for the list to come out every other year. And before we get into it, uh, for our listeners, most of them are probably very familiar with this list as well. Uh, but before we get into it, how many panelists are a part of putting this list together? And what edition is this of the Top 100? So there's 100 panelists that we have across the country, and 
is I feel like I'm speaking for Bob here, but uh, the score rating started in 1988, but it was only 15 courses. And I think it just gradually grew. It went from 15 to 25 to 50, and then it was 2000 that it became the top 100 for the first time. So we do it every other year. So I guess that's 10 top 100s. And uh, going back further, obviously, to 1988, it's, uh, close to 20 different course ratings that we've had over the course of our 40 years now. Jason, if you were to uh, to look at the, this year's uh, list, what, what stands out for you? <clears throat> what other surprises or uh, anything that, that sort of is re- that you found remarkable in putting together this year's list? Well, I didn't ever think that there would be enough ra- Raiders that would play Memphis Magog in Quebec, and that was kind of a surprising one that that course, which had been just basically shut off to anybody, obviously a very private course, a very a family-owned course that's you know just open to select guests, basically. Um, some of my newer panelists, some of the younger guys that I've put on the, the panel in recent years who are just very, very into golf course architecture, they just kind of, they just kind of took a shot, and... Uh, and the GM there just kind of made it very quietly known to me that he wouldn't mind some Raiders coming out. So to see that course debut at 15, I mean, I don't know anything about it. I've just talked to the Raiders who have played there, and they just say it's phenomenal, probably maybe Thomas McBroom's best work. So that one kind of, um, you know, debuting in such high fashion was a bit of a surprise to me. And then, you know, you got Mount Kid Kananaskis coming back on the list after all that that club has been through with the flooding and the rebuilds and the starts and stops with the, the government out there. And that coming back on the list at 19 uh, surprised me as well. It was never that high before. Um, maybe just a newish factor there, but my understanding is Gary Browning has made that a lot better golf course, a lot more playable golf course than it ever was before. So those two being in the top 20 were, were eye-openers for me when I got the results. Cabot Cliss comes in at number one. I guess no surprise there whatsoever. National Golf Club of Canada, two. Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, three. St. George's, four. Cabot uh, Lynx, five. That's your top five. Of course, if you want to see the entire list, go to scoregolf.com for the entire top 100. Jason, has there been a trend or have you seen a change in the type of golf course? that has changed over the last few lists. Uh, you mentioned a couple that have come back, but just from a stylistic standpoint, uh, you know, for, for instance, I've noticed, you know, more respect to the modern day design than maybe a few years ago. And that's kind of a trend happening all over the place. Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, I'm not sure I've seen, I'm not sure I've seen that specifically. Um, I mean, I think the one thing about our list is we've got so many, people in so many different opinions and people obviously see golf courses different ways. And we have, you know, everybody from scratch and plus players to people who are high handicaps and people from different areas of the country. So um, in that sense, it's a pretty democratic list and um, you know, everyone has different opinions and everyone can sort of debate what, where courses should be and where they shouldn't be, including myself. Um, I actually think that, I actually think that a lot of our panelists, especially the guys that I've really vetted in recent years, lean more towards the classic golf course architecture, um, even though maybe some of those courses aren't as high up in the list as they should be. But I do think there is an appreciation for the classic courses and then the golden age architecture courses and certainly courses that uh, are playable for everybody. And, you know, by that, I mean, not just, you know, width and space and angles, but also, you know, not 7,500 yards that they have 
you know, tee decks that everybody can play and everybody can enjoy. It's uh, it's always interesting to to see the feedback. I know, remember the days when I was was there <laughs> at Score Golf, and you get all sorts of comments and questions, and let's say face it, complaints. What do you think, or what what this year so far has been the most common response you've received from uh, from the readers and viewers? Well, I don't think it's changed all that much, Bob, since you were there. I mean, like, the, <laughs> I think the number one complaint is is normally that uh, why do you include private clubs on the list? And and I mean, that's just people that maybe aren't familiar with what we do on a year to year basis. Because in every other year, we do do a top fifty nine public courses only list, and we we actually do that by rating and by value. So I mean, we've I think we've gone to great measures to appease those concerns. And then, of course, the other big complaint is that there's way too many Ontario and Toronto area courses on the list but I mean there's 860 courses I believe in Ontario and I think the next highest province is Quebec at like 360 so I mean it just makes sense that there should be more Ontario courses on the list than any other provinces and I mean the three of us know how good the golf in Toronto area is Um, you know obviously back in the day that's where all the money was and that's where the big name architects were lured and, and those of us who live in the city know that actually some great great land here for golf um maybe those outside of toronto just think it's highways and skyscrapers but we know that's not the case so those those are the the two cheap complaints i guess and i mean i, I come to expect those every time the, the list comes out we're with jason logan who is the editor of score golf of course you follow jason on twitter as well at jason score golf and go to scoregolf.com for the top 100 jason i'm a golf digest panelist and when we're doing our uh, criteria in our voting. It's, it's very specific, the categories. It's, it's a point system and they give us a very narrow lane to, uh, to do the ranking. At least in my opinion, it's a narrow lane. For your panelists, is it a similar system? How wide is their scope? How much of this is personally on them versus a system that you guys have in place? So we have nine criteria for ranking golf courses. So the nine are beauty, challenge, design, strategy, conditioning, par three holes, par four holes, par five holes, and fun factor. And fun factor carries the biggest percentage of a course's mark is 20%. And I send out guidelines all the time. I say, like, listen, guys, here's from past ratings, here's the top course when it comes to beauty. So, you know, if, if say, I don't know what it is offhand, say if it's Jasper Park or maybe it's Banff or, or Cabot Cliffs or something, if that course is top mark is beauty is something like, you know, in the high eight, high eight, say it's like 8.8, like you can't be ranking another golf course in beauty higher than that, you know? So we have benchmarks that we set out for people. Um, but I mean, ultimately you just have to leave it up to the individual rater to, to input his or her scores based on what they see. And I think fun factor being such a high percentage of a course, uh, obviously there's a lot of sub- subjectivity in that. And lots of different things can factor into fun factor, you know, including the conditioning of the golf course, which the conditioning category only weights at 5%. So and I would say that's, that's sort of one other maybe misconception about our ranking is that we're not ranking golf clubs, we're ranking golf courses, and there's a big difference there. There's no, there's no categories for the history of the golf course or how many Canadian Opens it's held or how big the clubhouse is or how awesome the practice facilities are. My direction to the panelists are judge the golf course on what you experience between the first tee and the 18th green, and that's it. You know, and so I think we get a lot of criticisms of saying, like, you know, how can this course be so high? I mean, it's got, you know, 36 holes and it's, you know, posted 10 Canadian Opens. Well, none of that matters. 
in the Score Golf Top 100. I know this is the 40th anniversary year for for Score Golf, and one of the cool things I thought you did was you you actually listed an additional 40 courses. So yeah. the list is really 140 deep. And uh, any any um, any surprises in in that additional 40? Well, if there's one course in that additional 40 that should be on the top 100, in my opinion, it's Talking Rock. In I believe it's in Chase, BC, so it's in the Kamloops area, and it just it doesn't get seen a lot. It's in a remote spot, um, but it's Bob. You know, I know how much you love Jasper Park, and I'm the same. You know, it's my favorite course in Canada, and Talking Rock is like Jasper Park light. Um, it's just a phenomenal setting and Wayne Carlton was largely responsible for the design there. And, you know, I played it a number of years ago when I went out to see Tobiano and I enjoyed talking rock as much as I enjoyed Tobiano. I mean, Tobiano is a spectacular, visually spectacular golf course and really exciting to play, but the talking rock is maybe a more enjoyable course to play. So I'm disappointed that that one's not in the top 100 somewhere. Um, you know, again, it just maybe it just doesn't get seen enough, or maybe people to the Raiders don't appreciate it the way I did. But um, that one sticks out to me, and I, I wish that would somehow find its way onto the top 100. Jay, before we let you go, uh, something I like to do with the list, and I do it with your list every two years when it comes out as well, as I always play. How many courses have I played on this list? And every time the Score Golf Top 100 comes out, I always do well from Ontario East, and I always do poor West because I just. During the summer, uh, I, I end up working PGA Tour Radio, and I've done a horrible job of getting out west, and I really need to play some of these wonderful golf courses that you and Bob are talking about in Alberta and BC, etc. So I say it to you, how many courses in the top 100 do you think uh, Jason Logan has played on this list? Well, I counted, so it's this is a funny answer. It's 61 plus 5 holes. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I played... I played, I played Sixty-one other golf courses, and it's funny. It changes every year. I mean, when some courses drop out of the top 100, you're kind of checked off because you can't count those anymore. But uh, <laughs> I play. I played 61, and I was out for the uh, Team Canada Media Day at uh, Bear Mountain uh, a few years ago, and uh, I had time for five holes before we had to jettison off to another golf course to film TV. So I only saw five holes on the Valley Course at Bear Mountain, but six, 18 holes at 61 others. That, that's the best answer I've ever had on a how many of you played list. 61 plus 5. Follow yeah. him on Twitter, at Jason Score Golf. Go to scoregolf.com and check out the list. And it's a great list. It's fun to debate. It's always great to jump in and, and see if your favorites made it, etc. Jason, great to hear from you, man. Great to touch base with you. And I hope I see you at some point uh, during uh, this golf season. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, same to you guys. Thanks for having me. Jason Logan from Score Golf. Okay, on the other side, Adam Scully. Start him, sit him. It's 3M open. Who's going up the leaderboard? Who's going the other way? We jump into it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club. Proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by 
Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations. Whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Busy show. Lots going on in the world of golf, including PGA Tour Stop this week. Minneapolis, Minnesota, TPC, Twin Cities for the 3M Open. And welcoming in now, master producer himself, Mr. Adam Scully. Skulls, what's happening, brother? Gentlemen, good to be with you today. Looking forward to getting out on the golf course in about an hour's time. But it's another beautiful day here in the GTA and a great day to hit some high bombs. Yes, the 340, 50-yard <laughs> bombs to... Let's try to not make bogeys off them today. Yeah, okay, literally. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, 3M Open is happening in Minnesota. Michael Thompson, 12 under par. He is tied for the lead with uh, Richie Rowenski. They're at 12 under. That is good for a one-shot lead over Tony Finau and Taylor Gooch. Of course, Tony Finau had the opportunity to win last week at the Memorial did not get it done. Amazing to me, and I know Bob feels exactly the same way. We scratch our heads trying to figure out how Tony Finau has only won once, especially considering he also plays hard venues well. He's had good uh, mm-hmm. good performances at majors, uh, not getting the W, but has played well on hard golf courses. Uh, Shinju Zhang in at 10 under par with a round of 67 yesterday. And then in at 9 under par is Cameron Davis and Matthew Wolf, who's played very well of late. And of course, Matthew Wolf, the defending champion. Uh, the PGA Tour win probabilities model uh, came out this morning, heading into the weekend with 36 holes. Tony Finau is the favorite to win this golf tournament, a 22.9% win probability. He starts one back with 36 to go. Adam, start him, sit him. We'll start with you. We'll start with the stardoms. Who are you starting this weekend? Yeah, so I was going down the leaderboard here a little bit. Uh, I was thinking about Tony Finau. Uh, he went for the caddy change. He, him and his longtime caddy split up. So I, I'm really curious how that interaction is going to go over the weekend. But on the stardom side of things, I decided to go with Charles Howell the third. Yeah, rounds of 71-65. He's six shots off the lead right now. Yes, he hasn't shown great form during the restart with two missed cuts. His best finish is a T48, but I'm looking at his uh, third round scoring average. He's 30th on the PGA Tour in Saturday scoring and has 13 third rounds during the season. Nine of them have been in the 60s. And he's second so far in strokes gained off the tee and 11th in strokes gained putting this week. I'm starting Charles Howell, thinking he's going to go on a bit of a run today on Saturday during the third round. Bob, what do you got? Who are you starting this weekend? Uh, so I'm going to start uh, a guy who did kind of a mini um, mini Bryson DeChambeau uh, mold. He, put, he got himself into the gym, got himself super fit. And uh, looks great, and his return to golf has been uh, has been pretty solid. It's Scott Stallings, and uh, the reason I'm picking him is because he's putting really well. He made eight birdies on Friday, including six in a row at one stretch, and his game has just kind of been trending in the right dire- direction. If you look at his results, if you look at his stats, he's very balanced throughout all the strokes gained stats. Where I find he sort of has a complete game, so I'm expecting things to go very well for Scott Stallings. I like Scott Stallings, Bob. I like the, like you said, all the boxes checked. Complete game, uh, never hurts at, on any golf course that you could throw out the horses for courses kind of mentality when a guy's checking all the boxes. Adam with the Charles Howell, the third, you know, I called almost his entire round. In fact, I did call his entire round yesterday playing mm-hmm. alongside Kepka and Keith Mitchell. 
Charles Howell III blowing it by them off the tee, just absolutely striping it, hitting it a mile these days. Played in the center of the fairway all day. It's a great pick. He Again, all the boxes checked. He only has two bogeys this week, Charles Howell III. And guess what? They've both come on the par 3 13th. So without the par 3 13th right now, Charles Howell III is actually even two shots better than he currently sits. I like both those picks. I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit guys on this one, and I'm going to start Matt Wolf, the defending champion. Talking about a guy trending in the right direction, showing great form lately. Almost won at the Rock and Mortgage Classic a few weeks back in Detroit. But Matthew, Matthew Wolf, Horses for Courses, obviously won here last year in the inaugural 3M Open, around a 65 and around a 68 yesterday. Why do I really like him, other than the fact he's the defending champion? He's managed to shoot 68 yesterday and only be three off the lead. And for a guy who's one of the longer players on tour, he didn't birdie a single par five yesterday and still shot 68. If he can take care of the par fives and continue to play his game, look out. That 65 yesterday should have quite easily been a 65. He could be easily tied for the lead. I think Matt Wolf's going to have a big weekend. Okay, Scully, who you sitting? Yeah, Mark, first of all, I, I love your pick there with Matthew Wolf. I, I'm, I'm sure he learned a lot from his close call a couple weeks ago, losing to Bryson DeChambeau, especially after that shaky front nine, but really pulled it together on the back nine. I'm looking looking for big things from Matthew Wolf this weekend. On the sit side of things, I'm going with Patrick Rogers. Uh, rounds of 66-68. He is four shots off the lead. He's 131st in third-round scoring on the PGA Tour this season, 179th in approach to green. 115th in around stroke gain around the green, and he, you know what? He's still looking for that first PGA Tour victory. I just don't see him. There's so many guys packed up here, and and um, I just don't see him making a run this weekend. Uh, Bob, who, who are you sitting? Uh, I'm going to sit Bo Van Pelt, who's actually uh, playing some decent golf through the first two rounds. In fact, he's. Uh, He's putting very well. I was just talking about Scott Stallings putting. Bo Van Pelt is actually fourth in strokes gained putting. But if you go and look at his season so far, it uh, it hasn't really been a uh, what I would call a banner year. He's played 15 tournaments. He's missed 11 cuts. His best finish is a tie for 60th. And while he's having a he's had a first the first two rounds have been pretty good. If you look at his uh, season on the strokes gained categories, the best category that he has is strokes gained around the uh, around the green, where he's ranked 141st. Uh, strokes gained off the tee, 201st. Approach the green, 215th. Putting, 208th. Uh, tee to green, 211th. And total, 214th. So he may have had two good rounds, but he hasn't convinced me yet that he's going to be putting four of them together. Yeah, that's not a bad pick either there, Bob. I agree with you. And he had the ace on Thursday as well at the par 3 eighth. And, of course, that ace... A hole-in-one will skew the card as well. Uh, it's a quick two on the good side of par with one swing. So, And like you said, he, it's been a while since Bo Van Pelt's kind of been in any place to do anything. Did we lose Mark there? Bob, it sounds like we lost Mark. I uh, Sounds like yeah, we may have lost Mark. Well, it's, I think he was said yeah. he was going to sit. I think he said he was going to sit Tony Finau, and no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can uh, we can certainly uh, carry on. Uh, we'll take give Mark a little bit of a, a, an assist, but um, it's 
I don't know. What did you did you hear who his sitting who he was sitting? You know what? Sorry I'll, about um, that, boys. This is the, there he the, is. the home studio. The home studio. There we go. And guys, I got to tell you, you know what I'm sitting? I'm sitting the home studio. I can't wait to be back <laughs> in the studio next week. Oh, my. Guys, I'm going to sit Charles Charles Swartzel. And uh, certainly right, right, a class on this leaderboard. You know, major champion, of course. Uh, not trying to take anything away from uh, Charles Swartzel, but... Not not driving it particularly well, not not hitting many greens, and I'm looking at these numbers and I'm going, man, if you're not putting it in the fairway as much as the guys in front of you, and you're not hitting as many greens as the guys in front of you, then how are you supposed to chase down the guys in front of you? The math uh-huh. just doesn't line up with me for Charles Swartz. So, Scully, what are you thinking about that? You know what, Mark? It's so funny. So we've been doing this segment now for six weeks, I believe, and we've never picked the same guy. But last night I was doing some prep for the show, and I had picked Charles Schwartzel. I just didn't send an email out. And I saw your email this morning, and and so for the first time we picked the same guy. So I went with my, with my alternative, Patrick Rogers. Yeah, Charles Schwartzel. <laughs> He's, he's, his game is so bizarre. He's so streaky. He's got this really hot temper that every once in a while he smashes a club or goes over the knee. But, yeah, I'm with you there on the pick, Mark. I don't like Charles Schwartzel this weekend. All right, guys, it'll be interesting to see. It should be a fun one. It's hard, guys, not to pull emotionally for Tony Finau. Such a good guy, one of the most well-liked guys on tour, lone victory. Everybody wanting Tony Finau to add that second victory. And uh, why not this weekend at the 3M Open? On the other side, it'll be winners, weird, and what? 3-dub. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations. Whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Congratulations to our friends at Muskoka Bay. Cracking the top 100 on the Score Golf Top 100 list as well. We should mention that. One of Canada's finest golf courses. Absolutely love Muskoka Bay. Haven't been up this year. Got to get up there soon. Mm -hmm. All right. It is that time. Winners, weird and what? Three dub and gents. The tee this week is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! My winner this week, gentlemen, is Sarah Hoffman from the Symmetra Tour. Now, the Symmetra Tour gets restarted. She's going to pick up her golf clubs and start her golf career again. But we've been talking to a lot of golf professionals and people in the world of golf. What did you do during COVID? Well, some put on 50 pounds of muscle and others ate cheesies. Some worked on their guacamole recipe. Well, Sarah Hoffman probably put her time to best use. She's a nurse. 
by trade. And Sarah, during COVID, Scully, you know what she did? She went to her state, home state of Michigan, and she worked on the front, uh, front line and helped out at the local hospital and helped out during COVID. She thought it was something she could do to give back. Good on Sarah Hoffman. To me, Skull, so far, that's the best, the best use of time. And she's the winner as far as I'm concerned with what did you do with your time off? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mark. That's just an unbelievable story. Good for her for, for doing this. It's, it's a, such a weird time in the world right now. And good for, for her for, for doing such an unbelievable thing. So I hope karma comes around for Sarah Hoffman and she finds her way to the LPGA Tour at some point. Okay, my weird this week... Yeah, just when you thought this one might go away, the PGL, the Premier Golf League, back in the news this week, apparently having talks with the European Tour about some type of an alignment or relationship with the European Tour, and also apparently making formal offer letters for millions and millions of dollars to players such as Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott, Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, and Paul Casey. Those names have been linked to the PGL. And Bob, this to me is maybe kind of everything wrong in the world of modern day golf, where it's just about the money. How much money is enough? There is no history here. There are no majors here. There is no legacy here. This is a cash grab, cash cow. I don't like it. And now the attachment to the European Tour, that's a bit of a head-scratcher for me. I know the uh, PG, uh, European Tour has a few money issues going on at the moment. This is a bad COVID period for them. They don't have the revenues that the PGA Tour has out to, uh, has to maybe ride out the COVID storm. But I don't know. I don't like any of this, Bob. It kind of brings, uh, like you said, it brings up again the sort of money and financial issues that the European Tour is reported to have. So maybe this is their only uh, kind of bailout, and this is why there's alignment, or at least why they're listening to it. I still don't think it's going to fly, and I still don't think that unless you get top players like Rory, like Brooks, you know, Brooks is the only one who's kind of hinted to the fact that he's at least listening to it. Most of the other guys have kind of shut it down, and I think the PGA Tour is in a position where it can leverage its strength as well to kind of keep this down. But, but you're right, it's a weird scenario that it's still going on. Well, Bob, that's a great segue with Brooks, but I'll tell you why maybe Brooks is listening to them. Because he can't make a cut on the PGA Tour. That's why. A Kepka made the cut this weekend in Minnesota, but it wasn't Brooks Kepka. It was his brother Chase Kepka. What is wrong with Brooks Kepka? Uh, called his round yesterday because he played alongside Charles Howe III and Keith Mitchell. He's driving it crooked. He's hitting his irons wonky. His putting, it's horrific. He's given away seven shots to the field just in putting alone through two rounds. His speed control is off. His uh, alignment, it's off. His attitude, it's off. He's got one top 10 this entire season on the PGA Tour. And I'm not referring to the reboot. I'm referring to the entire season. Only one top 10. Now, has he dealt with some knee issues? Yes. But Brooks will be the first to tell you that that's not what's going on here. And I will give him credit and kudos for that. He is not blaming the knee for his poor play. But his lone top 10 this year came a couple weeks back at the Heritage, RBC Heritage, with a backdoor top 10, seventh place finish. That is it. He's packing his bags. He's heading home from the 3M. He's going to defend next week at the FedEx. And then he's going to defend the following week at the PGA. But he's currently 154th 
And he's going to drop from there. He's going to be lower on the FedEx Cup point standings than 154 by the time we get to the FedEx St. Jude Classic. He is running out of time. Brooks Kepka might miss the playoffs. Things got to change soon. All right, Adam, winner's weird and what? Tea is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Yeah, Mark, it's certainly weird to see Brooks Kepka struggle like this. It looks like there's a lot going on in his mind. Some helicopter finishes off the tee trying to sort of uh, place the ball in the fairway in different spots. It's a, it's, it's a weird time for Brooks Kepka right now. Anyway, my winner this week, how about the par that Sang Moon Bay made on Thursday on the 18th hole? Yes, the same hole that Dustin Johnson made a quick nine on, Sang Moon, Ma- Sang Moon Bay made par. Hits his tee shot into the water, takes a drop, 249 yards out, puts it in the water again, two water balls. Is he going to tin cup it? What's he going to do next? 250 yards out, fifth shot, in. How about that for a par, a very adventurous par. Mark, this, we don't see this very often, uh, the longest ever par in the shot link era, holding up from 250 yards, uh, uh, pretty bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It's absolutely incredible. Like you mentioned, it's the longest ever recorded in the shot lake area previous to that shot from 250 yards. Because he blows this away, Adam. Previous to that, you got to go back to 2011 RBC Heritage with uh, Stephen Bowditch from 176. So that's practically what's that? 74 yards longer than the uh, previous number. Quite the uh, par for Sam Bay. Quite the par for Sangmoon Bay, that's for sure. My weird this week, this goes to a tweet from Angela Stanford. The LPGA Tour obviously getting set to restart. As she tweeted out, Well, I packed the car this morning for Toledo. All the emotions you can imagine. Excited, nervous, anxious, all of it. It was bittersweet pulling out of the driveway about 15 minutes down the road. I forgot my golf clubs. Bob, pretty <laughs> important for her to bring her golf clubs. Have you ever gone on a trip, Weeksy, and, and forgotten your clubs 15 minutes down the road? Uh, I went to play a tournament one time, a charity tournament, and I uh, got to the golf course and was sure that my clubs were in the trunk, only to find they weren't and had to rent a set. So that's the, I think that's the last set. It's the last time I actually paid to rent golf, golf, golf clubs, and they weren't very good either. So I've done it. I can feel her. I can feel what she's going through. At least she didn't uh, didn't have to go too far back to get them. You can feel her pain. That's uh, what a funny story, and uh, all the best to Angela Stanford as the LPGA Tour. Uh, restarts my what this goes back to last week we haven't had a chance to discuss it but what will phil mickelson do next the final round he's putting from 80 yards he's hitting full swing flop shots from 30 yards he's laying up into par threes but most interestingly in my mind anyway is the putting stroke he's pausing that putting stroke from inside five to ten feet and his putting is sort of wonky. He was using it as a drill, and now he's incorporated onto the golf course. Mark, you, you, your putting has been well known. We've discussed it a lot, uh, up and down. You've got a new putter in the bag. Have you ever considered the pause in the putting stroke? You know, so it's funny we're having this conversation because it's a drill that a lot of people use so they don't decel. The idea is if you stop the putter, you're forced to then accelerate in a drill to stop decelling at impact. And I actually had this conversation several weeks ago with a friend of mine. We were out playing golf, and my putting's actually come around, and it's putting quite Uh well again. But uh, for Phil Mickelson, I find this bizarre. I find this bizarre in so many ways. A, he's one of the greatest wedge players in the history of the game. He puts it from 70-some-odd yards, 80 yards, whatever the number was. And then one of the best putters in the game, in the history of the game. 
uh, and he's putting fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with Phil's putting. He decides to bring this drill into competition. Absolutely bizarre, and I can't tell you what he's going to do next. Uh, I, you know what? Who knows? Who knows? And who knows if he'll contend in the majors this season? Yeah, who knows with Phil. He likes hitting the bombs, and we'll see if his putting stroke can uh, come around. Okay, Bob, the tee is now yours. So, so what do I do, just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. All right, guys, my uh, winner this week is uh, Eva Eckert, and she plays golf at the Regina Beach Golf Course, it, which is in, located in Kanukama Beach, Ooh. north, just north of Regina. Boy, I had to uh, practice that a couple times <laughs> before I could actually say that. Now, she teed off last week at her, uh, at her golf course, Regina Beach Golf Course, and they shot off fireworks as a result of her teeing off. And they sang to her. The membership of the golf club sang to her. And why? Because Eva is 100 years old. That's how I want to celebrate my 100th birthday, by teeing off on a golf course. Now, it's a little mischievous because uh, she didn't actually play the rest of the golf course. course. She actually stopped, but she stopped golfing at 95. She only started golfing at 78. But listen, wow. to be able to take a swing at 100 years old is a pretty cool story. So I thought, oh, let's give Eva a little shout-out here on her 100th birthday. Congratulations to Eva for teeing off. And, Mark, do you sometimes feel like you're 100 years old when you tee off? <laughs> oh, yeah. I tell you, and Bob, question for you. With the speed that Scully's swinging at, is he going to be able to swing past age 40 the way he's going yeah, right now? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> All right. My weird was going to be uh, – my weird – I have a weird, but I think I just want to say that – I was almost going to change it when I heard that uh, that Mark had never tried the uh, the, the, the Phil Mickelson stop hesitation <laughs> in, in process because he tried just about everything else. I think so. No, my uh, my weird this week is um, how they fill divots at the uh, Canmore Golf and Curling Club out in beautiful downtown Alberta. They do something called vermicomposting. And do you guys want to know what vermicomposting is? I'm sure you do. So I'll yes. tell you. It's basically worm poop. They fill all the divots with worm poop. And how they do it is they, all the clippings, all the uh, wood chips and food scraps produced by the club go into this big barrel, which is filled with worms, and the worms go through it all, and then, of course, they have to poop. And so they take this poop, which is very rich uh, filler, and they fill up all their uh, divots. So I would just suggest if you are playing out there and your ball does un- end up in a divot, don't kind of lick the ball to clean it or, or something like that. You know, you might want to just use a rag or something. I don't know. I don't know, Scully. Have you ever heard of anything like this before? You know what? I have not, and I don't think I'll hear about that again. That is unbelievable. But, hey, I mean, whatever works for the divots, right? They can produce, apparently the worms can produce 100 pounds of waste every single day. So there you that's go. A, that's that's a, a lot of chicken wings. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> and my what is... Um, what lengths will the uh, president of the United States go to to try and get the Open Championship? There was a story in the New York Times this week that the president uh, asked, of course, we know he owns a number of golf courses, including uh, Trump Turnbury, which has hosted many Open Championships in the past, but uh, is off the list for the moment. And the, uh, apparently the president asked his ambassador to Britain, to, uh, whose name is Woody Johnson, asked him if he would speak to his counterpart 
in the UK to see if he could put a little leverage on the RNA to try and move that tournament over to Trump Turnberry. Now, the president, I should point out, denies that he ever did this, but it's still a pretty interesting story in the fact that uh, he's going to great lengths to try and get the biggest tournament at his golf course over there, and uh, it's deserving of it, but I'm sure there's a lot of sensitive issues with putting that there, and they, they might wait till he's out of office before they uh, go back to Turnberry, I would say, suggest Mark. Well, you know, it's you know, this has all got to do, Bob, is they really have nothing to do. Everything's so tickety-boo and hunky-dory in the world right now that he doesn't have anything to do with his time. So, you know, I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a get out of jail free card here because if he was busy and maybe had a pandemic to deal with and things of that nature, he wouldn't have the time to worry about the Open Championship at Turnberry. So, you know, Unbelievable. All right. On the other side, Skulls, you have a great week. We're going to see you this Thank week you. at some point. I know we got a busy week, you and I, as we get ready oh, for yeah. a TV return. On the other side, Bob and I are going to get you caught up on leaderboard updates in the world of golf and do some housekeeping for GTC and put a bow on today's Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf, pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos, meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. As we wind down today's show, let's get you caught up on all the leaderboards from the world of golf. Brought to you by CedarBraidGolfClub.com. Cedarbrae Golf, award-winning championship golf in the scenic Rouge Valley, just minutes from downtown Toronto. Flexible, affordable, memorable. There's never been a better time to join Cedarbrae Golf Club. Visit CedarBraidGolf.com for more information. And congratulations to Cedarbrae Golf Club. They won Canadian Golf Club of the Year from the Canadian Golf Club Managers Association last week. Well done to our friends at Cedar Bray. On the European Tour, it's the British Masters, hosted by Lee Westwood. The Azuri with the lead at 17-under. Renata Peratore, he's got a one-shot lead over Justin Harding as they are well into their third round. A large group, including Andy Sullivan, at 13 under that are four shots back on the corn ferry tour it is a price cutter charity championship presented by dr pepper wouldn't you like to be a pepper too bob brandon Wu, 14 <laughs> under par he's got a one shot lead over michael arnold and uh dan mccarthy and max mcgreevy they're at uh, 12 under par adam svenson the low canadian now at seven under par in this one 3M Open, Michael Thompson, he takes the lead with Richard Ruwenski into the Saturday round at 12 under par. Good for a one-shot lead over Tony Fino at 11. That'll be your final group as they play in threesomes today. Michael Glickick, the lone Canadian at 2 under par to make it to the weekend. Defending champion Matt Wolf at 9 under par. He shots. He starts the weekend three shots back. Okay, Bob, I was thinking about something, and... I want to get your opinion on this because 
I was racking my brain. We're, we're just a couple of weeks away from the year's first major. And some of the best players in the world are playing horrible golf. Obviously, John Rahm playing well. He just got to number one in the world coming off the win. Justin Thomas has had a pretty good season, pretty consistent. Should have won the work day. Didn't win the work day, uh, but playing well. Right now, the betting favorites as we head to TPC Harding Park, we've got Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau as 12-1 to 1 betting favorites. But if you were to ask me who the favorite should be at TPC Harding Park, I can't give you a name. I can't tell you who the favorite should be. And I'm curious if, from your perspective, who's the favorite and how do you get to that conclusion? Because I just can't point to one person at this moment. Yeah, you know, we were looking at uh, at this earlier in the week about uh, who really is the number one player in the world. We know that the number one ranking sort of involves a, a length of time and a performance over a period of time. But since the restart, every one of those guys up at the top has sort of stumbled and bumbled and they've had good moments and some not so good moments and it's really hard to pick something out. If I had to go with one name, I would probably go with Justin Thomas as the favorite. Um, he's won a PGA before, we know that. And I just think that even though he's had a, a missed cut in there, I think that he is probably had the best performance since the restart. But um you you have a hard time making a case for any one of these guys right now. I mean, maybe it's Bo Van Pelt who I said I would sit <laughs> in my stardom sit him earlier, but it really is hard to pick something out. Maybe we'll get a surprise winner this time. You know, it's funny, Bob, because I was leaning Justin Thomas as well, and I was flipping between Justin Thomas and someone else. And, and, and the more I think about it, the more I start going with Webb Simpson as the favorite. He's second place on the FedEx Cup points list. Uh, he's got two wins this season. He is a major champion, and don't forget where his major championship came. It came just down the road from TPC Harding Park at Olympic Club. Now, Olympic Club is a very different golf course than TPC Harding Park tee to green. But when you get to the green, in terms of the type of grass you're putting on, green complexes, etc., uh, very familiar. Webb Simpson did well at Olympic. Maybe he'll do well at TPC Harding Park. He's the only other name, Bob, I could come up with. Do you like Webb? I do. Um, you know, he sort of had a surprising miscut last week, but it was. I think the guy had really leading into uh, um, the pandemic had had a great, really good uh, start to the season. I don't know if you want to call it a start, whatever, but the first part of the season and had played well in the return, but then he kind of stumbled a little bit as well. So uh, he's just Mr. Consistent. Usually there's just been a little bit of a hiccup uh, in, his last, in his last start. So I, I like that name too, though. All right, that does it for this week, Bob. I know we got a busy week. Next Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m., our usual radio time, 8 to 10 a.m. And, of course, check your listings coast-to-coast on the TSN Radio Network. And you can watch Golf Talk Canada Radio on TSN 5, our TV debut for radio, next Saturday, 12 to 2 Eastern, TSN 5. Tune in to GTC Radio. And don't forget, 20 Weeks of TaylorMade continues. Next week, we're going to give away a SIM driver, tailor-made SIM driver to anyone who follows us on social media at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Adidas Golf. Pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos. Meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. 
thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.